listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Since 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been leading podcast publications as the insider voice of the pharmacy industry. Explore the profession and business of pharmacy through audio. Join us at PharmacyPodcast.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any of your favorite podcast directories. Pharmacy Podcast Network is a proud supporter of the PDS Super Conference 2022. This conference is about building an unstoppable pharmacy. Listen to this three-part series on the pharmacy industry's leading business conference for pharmacy owners. Join us for three immersive episodes about learning and connection at the PDS Super Conference. It's time to unleash the potential of your pharmacy business. Hey, we're here with Dr. Marcy Strauss, PharmD, performance-based reimbursement. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast coverage of the 2022 PDS Super Conference. Marcy, how are you? I am great. Happy to be here. This is your first conference uh, at PDS, isn't it? It is my first conference, so I am super excited. I have heard great things and can't wait to experience the whole thing for, for myself. The energy and the enthusiasm and the excitement about the business of community and independent pharmacy is constant here. This is probably my 10th, 9th, 10th PDS. It's just amazing to see what Dan Benamos has, has built and how exciting it is to be part of pharmacists who are, I mean, they're changing their own lives by leveling up and, and things that they do for their business, but more importantly, what they're doing for their community and the energy that they bring back to their community through the creativity that PDS always helps to kind of cultivate. But what I want to really talk to you about, because I'm curious, is Tell our listeners, what is performance-based reimbursement and how does PDS help pharmacy owners um, maximize uh, being a better performance-based pharmacy? Happy to. So performance-based reimbursement, which can sound a little bit confusing when you first hear it, but really is an embodiment of a shift that all of pharmacy is really undergoing. So currently in the middle of a transition from volume to value. So it used to be back in the day, the more you fill, the more you're gonna get paid and can make money. And now that's not the case with declining reimbursements and an increase in DIR fees. Pharmacies and especially independent pharmacies are filling that pinch. And the focus now is on the value of the more that you improve patient outcomes, whether it's medication adherence or closing gaps in therapy, you get evaluated on that could impact your reimbursements, your DIR fees, your ability to earn additional revenue. And payer contracts now are including a performance component, but for a lot of independent pharmacy teams, it's a challenge to understand all of those different programs and make sense of that contract. And that's where we come in, to be able to help them make sense of all of that noise out there, all these different programs, so they can maximize revenue opportunities while at the same time identifying those patients in most need of pharmacist care and improve those outcomes. So Marcy, we're on this new trail of how pharmacists are paid. We're kind of in this strange um, place in the history of pharmacy where we have some states like California who recognize pharmacists as providers and pay them as so. Um, Majority of the states still haven't caught up to what that means. Uh, CMS still needs to kind of get their act together and understanding that um, if you make this about the outcome and not about the prescription, you're gonna get better output of Medicaid and Medicare dollars than uh, what we're doing today. 
But what do you think the challenge is, the major challenges right now for community pharmacy with DIR fees and, and reimbursement you know, issues, what do you see as kind of like the go-to to make sure that they're getting maximum reimbursement? What can they be doing you know, every day to ensure that they're getting what they should be getting? Mm -hmm. that, that's a great question. And to preface that, when independent pharmacies first hear DR fees, it, it just feels so defeating at first. Like, oh gosh, there's nothing I can do. But there actually are things that they can do. So it really all starts with knowing your payer mix. So working with our teams to understand who are those payers that you're paying most of those DR fees in, or which payers are you participating in a performance program in where there's opportunity for bonus money that they may not be aware of. So once we can help them understand what is that payer mix, what performance-based programs are they participating in, really do a holistic opportunity assessment to say, hey, Maybe there's $50,000 on the table, $100,000 on the table between DR mitigation opportunities and bonus payments. And then once we know what that potential is, then going in and providing that, that education, say, okay, these are the components of, of this program. This is what it means for your patients and what you have to track. Because a lot of it's they don't know what they don't know. And yep. there's so much just trying to make sense of all that. So that's where we kind of break it down to say, okay, this is what you're participating in. This is what you need to do. Okay, let's go and create a roadmap and an action plan on actually how to execute that and how to leverage those specific tools so they can manage their performance and grab most of those opportunities. So if you're listening right now and you're a PDS member, uh, what an exciting time that we all shared at the uh, PDS 2022 event. However, shout out to people, pharmacy owners who aren't uh, PDS members look into this program specifically in our show notes. I'm going to have Marcy Strauss um, I'm gonna have your contact information your email address there so someone can send you a message and inquiry go to pharmacyowners.com to learn more but Understand that the only way things are going to change is if you make changes and they'll have to be very purposeful and we're still in this swimming upstream mode of pharmacy ownership um, just uh, just the lay of the land and the way that it is now that with, with regards to reimbursement. But there's things that, um, that your team at PDS really understands with how many high performing pharmacy owners that you have as members. And I think one of the greatest testimonies to PDS is the fact that many of your members are coaches for other pharmacies and other uh, new members. So I think that's really exciting. Marcy, thank you so much for being part of our post-conference uh, celebration um, show here on the Pharmacy Podcast. And I can't wait to talk with you. I hear we're going to meet up maybe at the APHA 2022 as well. Yes, excited to talk again in San Antonio next month. Thank you. You heard from Dr. Marcy Strauss with PDS talk with Todd Yuri about performance-based reimbursement and what it can do for your pharmacy. Now let's hear from Tom Wilwright, CPA, and how PDS can help your pharmacy with managing finances. You know, one of my weaknesses as a business owner is managing finances. I'm, I'm not good at it. I know what I'm good at, and I know what I'm not good at. And having people in my life that I can rely on to give me the coaching and the direction that I need to run my business is important. That's why I'm excited to have Tom Wilwright. He's a CPA, he runs WealthAbility, and he's no stranger to PDS. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Post Show for the 
PDS 2022. Tom, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. This is uh, it's terrific to be with you. So give us an overview of WealthAbility and, and how did you get in touch with uh, Dan Benemos and the, and the PDS crew? So uh, Dan was, uh, became a client of mine. So I actually did Dan's tax work. I can tell you that because he's very public about it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we reduced his taxes by a whole lot. <laughs> and so uh, he was pretty happy. And, and I'm one of the few uh, CPAs who actually speaks English. So I was <laughs> able to get on stage. And he brings me every year. So I've been on stage every year with PDS for the last six, seven years. Well. Um just to make, I guess, a public announcement, since this goes out to our 125,000 listeners out there, we're probably going to be using WealthAbility here in the future. <laughs> I hear there's also a, a program that PDS and you, um, that you guys put on in Arizona. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, absolutely. So we do an event twice a year. It's called Cash Flow. And uh, it's really about in helping pharma independent pharmacies increase their cash flow, because that is the big issue. Um, people always think, well, you know, I've got this issue, this issue, this issue. No, it all comes down to cash flow. If your cash flow is good, then life is good, right? You look at your balance sheet, you look at your cash. For, for one thing you probably look at every day is the balance in your bank account. Yep. And so uh, what, we, what we see is that a lot of pharmacists, like you were mentioning earlier, really don't understand their financial statements and they don't understand the tax side of the business, because really taxes, they're your biggest single expense, you know, maybe outside your inventory, but really when it comes down to it, they're your biggest single expense that you're not getting a lot of benefit for. And the tax law is really built to give uh, pharmacy owners tax benefits that they're not taking. And so part of the cash flow course that we teach, uh, we, we spend a full day or more just on how to reduce your taxes. It's funny to listen to your news and markets and how they politicize taxes for the, you know, for one side of the fence or the other side of the fence from a political perspective. But the truth of the matter is we live in a country that gives as us as Americans an ability to build businesses for ourselves, to be entrepreneurial, the American dream. And if you have someone that can be more strategic about taxes and pay less taxes or do it in a manner that from a state perspective or federal perspective or even local, there's so much power in that. And that's what I miss in my own personal um, business trek and in, in the growing of the pharmacy uh, podcast network and our publication. But what do you see as the biggest challenge for community pharmacies today with, with regards to taxes? Oh, I, I think the biggest challenge is just understanding what the purpose of the tax law is. Once you understand that the tax law is not out there to get you, the tax law is actually out there to provide incentives to do things the government wants done. For example, recently, um, in 2017, uh, they changed the law so that pharmacies can actually deduct their inventory when they buy it if they want to. Okay, now there's some restrictions around everything. Instead of deducting their uh, inventory when they sell it, they can actually deduct it when they buy it. Um, that was a very particular incentive for retail, small retailers. And the reason behind it is that um, cash flow is such, such a difficult proposition for a pharmacy that's growing because you're constantly putting money back into inventory, right? Your inventory balance is growing practically daily. Well, if it's growing, but you're not getting, but you're paying tax on that as it grows, 
that's a real cash flow burden. And so what they did in 2017, and I was one of the first to announce it, and I actually had people tell me, no, you're wrong, and I had to actually wait for the IRS for two years to prove me right, um, that that's what the tax, law, the tax law change meant. But what it means is that, um, particularly if you don't have bank financing, because there are some restrictions on your financial statements, but if you don't have bank financing, you can deduct your inventory as you buy it. And that's just a huge cash flow. I mean, you consider most pharmacies are gonna have anywhere from two to $500,000 of inventory at the end of the year. Well, if you could deduct that, think about the impact on your taxes. So um, that's just an example. There are multiple examples of tax benefits specifically for retail establishments like pharmacies. And um, there are some uh, interesting challenges that go along with that, particularly where a pharmacy is both a product provider and a service provider, and there are different, um, there, there are different rules for the services than for the, t for the products. So if you're listening to the show now and you are a PDS member, you're probably well aware of what Tom and WealthAbility does. However, if you are a pharmacy owner and you haven't heard of WealthAbility, uh, we're going to follow up with uh, WealthAbility and Tom and his team. Uh, we'd like to be part of the conference that you're going to be putting on in uh, in Arizona. We'd like to have um, the 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 teams and the pharmacy owners and our followers um, take a take a look at WealthAbility. It's WealthAbility.com. It'll be in the show notes. Tom, we're excited that you're here. Excited to make you as a as a new associate of ours in in the world of the business of pharmacy. And um, and I just want to thank you for being part of the show today. No, I, I appreciate that. I, I might add just uh, one or two other things. I, I do have a podcast, the WealthAbility Show, which um, would love it's and it's intended for independent business owners. That's its target audience is entrepreneurs and investors. And on top of that, we have so what WealthAbility what we've designed is we've designed a system for reducing taxes, but we also have a network of CPA firms. We have over 50 CPA firms around the country that we train uh, on a weekly basis into our system, and they use our system. We monitor that they use our system, and uh, they do an amazing job. I mean, there are a lot of PDS members that are, that are uh, working with our network services. Um, in the wealth building network, and uh, we've had some amazing successes. Excellent. Tom, thanks so much for being part of the post uh, show for PDS 2022, and we look forward to seeing you in, uh, in Arizona. Thanks very much. Probably one of the most enjoyable aspects of the Pharmacy Podcast Network for me since 2009 has been the marketing aspect, and that is being able to take something in audio form break it up into pieces and deliver it to my listeners, all of our pharmacists, all of our technicians, our pharmacy owners, try to give you good content that you can quickly absorb and understand. Marketing is a science and it is so important to do it well. And there are lots of pharmacists out there and pharmacy owners out there that sometimes look and they're like, we're not exactly sure where to go or what to do. And I think that Pharmacy Development Services has played a very special part in building programs that have already been proven to be successful with other pharmacies and executing those programs to get other pharmacy owners to leverage, reach their community in a different way. I'm so excited to be um, part of PDS 2022, the RX Factor, the Super Conference, and I'm here with pharmacy growth expert Nina Clem, who helps her clients 
to leverage uh, better marketing strategies. Welcome, Nina. Hi, thank you so much. Happy to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, how did you get involved in in pharmacy and with the PDS team? Well, uh, about four years ago, been with PDS for a little over four years now, a friend of mine who works at PDS said, Nina, you've got to come to this company. This is the place to be. This company is like no other. So um, I left my previous job uh, as the director of marketing at a digital online agency to come over to PDS, to an industry I knew nothing about. Um, And boy, was he right. This was the place to be. Uh, So I learned as much about pharmacy as I possibly could really quickly, absorbed, 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 still learning, of course, Um, and was able to, though, leverage my marketing skills coming over to PDS and deliver that to pharmacists, realizing that that's kind of a gap for some of our pharmacy owners. They don't learn about marketing in pharmacy school. So it was really something that uh, they found valuable when I can share with them those insights. So there's a power to bringing strategies from outside the pharmacy marketplace because sometimes pharmacists who trust other pharmacists will do um, things through the old-fashioned advertising in a newspaper, for example, in the 80s and 90s. And then these programs become stale. So you coming from the outside, you were able to bring something fresh. Where did you see a quick return of the investment that pharmacists were making you as their coach? Like what marketing program kind of stood out from the very beginning that you were helping them implement? You know, I don't know if there's one program or another, but, you know, just getting them onto social media, making sure, especially in, you know, through the pandemic, right, just kind of insisting, hey, you have to be uh, where your customers are, where your potential patients are. And that's on social media, especially when doors are closed everywhere and everyone's just home scrolling on their phone, you know, meet your customers where they are. So kind of pushing them a little bit out of their comfort zone on Go do Facebook Lives. Go do some virtual shopping tours of your store. You know, just get out there and stay out there and and show your community who you are and what you do and that you're still doing it, even though a lot maybe isn't happening right now. So how many um, pharmacy owners at one time are you managing and ongoing um, to touch? Is it a is it a once every 30 days? Is it a once a week? Like, or is it different for different pharmacies? Yeah, owners? absolutely. You know, just like we say, meet your customers where they are. I think at PDS, we work really hard to meet our members where they are. So whatever their needs are, if they need to hear from us weekly for a little accountability booster, we're there. If, you know, on average, most of my members will talk probably twice a month. And then sometimes once a month is enough. And yep. that's okay, too. So my business is taking care of our pharmacists, our, I- informing them with really good information, uh, plugging our pharmacy technicians into our information. I consider our publication a B2B environment. We know that your clients are touching the consumer, which I think is much more complex in many ways because there's so many personalities, endless amounts of personalities that, they, that they're dealing with with regards to their patient customer. My social media is a little different. I concentrate on LinkedIn because it's more of this professional environment, B2B. I also love Twitter because I'm stuck in, you know, when we came out in 2009, it was all about Twitter. And then, of course, we're building our Instagram. 
we are on Facebook, but because Facebook being more consumer, I tend to not do as much Facebook. But when you're thinking of a coaching and someone's listening to us right now talking about social media, what do you think like the top three platforms are that a, a community pharmacy needs to be plugged into? It's a great question. Um, I, and I get that one a lot. So from what I've seen, as far as an actual return, Facebook hands down is the place to be. Um, it has the age range that, you know, is the perfect demographic for pretty much any uh, pharmacy across the United States. And you have pretty much almost, I don't remember the last stat, 90 some odd percent, you know, uh, of the country on that platform. Um, but a fast growing one that I'm really intrigued by is TikTok. I truly believe that TikTok is going to be the next like Facebook business platform. Um, and I, I'm starting to get my members to dip their toes in there because it's not just, you know, kids dancing to songs, right? There's a lot of really good information that you can find on there. Um, and, and even pharmacy at this point is starting to to uh, to jump in. So I'd like to see my members start looking there. Now, of course, Instagram is a fine place to be as well, and it links easily to Facebook. Um, I don't see as much of a return on that investment, so I wouldn't have any of my members um, spending lots of mental energy there. But, you know, if you can connect it to one and, and blast it out over two networks at the same time, then Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Nina, we're excited to be here. 2022 has been a rebirthing year for us to all come back together again. And being at PDS, there's so much energy here. There's so much excitement for the future. What, what's your closing remarks and, and, and shout out to our pharmacy owners that are listening right now? <laughs> um, PDS, I believe, is the place to be uh, just because we're really, really invested in the success of independent pharmacies as a whole. Um, that's what we do, and we've done that for a really, really long time, and I believe we do it really, really well. Our pharmacies, our independent pharmacies, and our independent pharmacy owners are the most valuable people in our community, in my opinion. Um, they deserve to thrive, and PDS can help with that. That's awesome. Nina, thank you so much for being part of this. Thank you. We talked with Nina Clem, a pharmacy growth expert helping clients leverage better marketing strategies. Up next is a discussion with Patrick Lott with the People and Culture team at PDS. Your patients, your clients, your customers, your community, the very first people that your customers and patients are seeing are your employees or your smiling face if it's the pharmacist in charge. And the investment in your people and the continuing culture that you design comes from the top down and then teaching your employees to take charge as well as invest in themselves and become leaders within your organization. That's important. At PDS and here at the PDS 2022 conference, we're lucky enough to be talking with Patrick Lott and on his card that I have, and we'll have his, his information in the show notes, it says people and culture team. Welcome, Patrick. Thank you so much, Todd. It's exciting to be here with you. So you come at this people enhancement inspiration from a very methodical, proven way because of what you've saturated in over the years. But what, what drives you and why would you become part of the PDS team? Great question. Um, part of what drives me is, is this genuine belief that organizations are made up of really, really good people. 
And so if we can take as organizational leaders and as, as especially for us at PDS, right, drivers in the industry, if we can help people understand the value of the most expensive asset in their business, which is their people, and yes, we want to be a great organization, but if I can help someone become the best version of themselves, they become the best employee, which in turn gives me the best organization. <laughs> Doesn't that sound simplistic, but it's harder than, than it sounds because of some of the fundamentals that you have to constantly train a employee to empower themselves, but doing it on something that is proven so that they feel that confidence so that when they execute on helping a patient or helping someone in their community or this affecting one of their coworkers, that they look back and said, wow, what Patrick taught me wasn't just a theory and it wasn't just out of some you know, textbook, but it, it literally works. Yeah. And that's, I think that's one of the challenges when we talk about the people stuff in, in business, right? Is it's, there aren't metrics that talk about the growth of human beings on a larger scale, right? We can look at employee retention and we can look at turnover rates and we can look at effectiveness rates of, of employees. But a lot of this stuff is intangible. It's stuff that I can't measure. And most organizations, most leaders in organizations have a hard time with that because they can't just, that's it. Yes, we got it. Yes, we didn't. Um, and when you think about the, the development of your people and the investment of your people, John C. Maxwell, he says that you create wins and you visit them often. Positivity perpetuates positivity. And when I tell someone, you did a fantastic job with that, even if it was one out of the 10 things, that one thing just got reinforced and they're going to keep doing that one thing. And so when we think about the investment in and the, the development of our employees, create wins and visit them often. So I think of our community pharmacy owners. And if you're, if you're listening right now and you are a community pharmacy owner, this next um, statement really goes out to you. You wear so many different hats and you're expected to be the absolute expert of of that hat per se in order for it to trickle down into your workforce so that it in, fa in fact impacts the patients and customers that are walking into your pharmacy so when i think of that i know as uh, a business owner and a, and a leader in my own organization I don't know everything. I am not the expert hat wearer and everything. Uh, that's why I have Brady, um, our audio technician, do all of our technical work because he went to school for that. So he understands compression and wavelength and all the nuances that I never, I never understood. So when you're, when you're working with a community pharmacy owner, where do you start so that it doesn't, it doesn't make them feel so overwhelming? You know, I, I love the fact that you brought up the hats, right? Because especially since the onset of COVID, there's never been more juggling. There's so much going on. And where I like to start with um, leaders and, and owners especially, you really need to wear three hats. You lead, you manage, and you do. And it's how much time do we spend wearing each of those hats. And in order to do that, I have to get really, really clear on the things that only I should do, not can do, the things only I should do based on the role that I serve in the organization. My management hat is all about the stuff, the tasks that my employees, my team are responsible for getting done. And so do I properly manage that? Am I clear on what those should be? And then leadership, 
the final hat is all about the development and the growth and the guidance that I provide to those people. And so am I wearing each of those hats in the appropriate ratios? What I find when I work with leaders, especially small business leaders, pharmacy, absolutely, there's a lot going on, but it's really common in small businesses in general. We spend so much of our time wearing the do hat that we neglect the management leadership hat. And in fact, the least worn hat is leadership when it's the most critical component, the most critical hat that we should wear is that leadership hat because it's about empowering, like you said, empowering the employees. And we actually have a session on that here at the conference, becoming an empowered employee. And so when we think about all the stuff that we have to do and all the things that we have going on, knowing when to wear which hat. So when I think of sessions in webinar form mostly because of the world of Zoom, that's why I'm so excited to be back in front of people and giving people hugs and high fives. And But when I think of a specific session that I did attend remotely and it was on empowering your people and it was tied back to retention because um, you can give uh, the best the best salary or the best compensation plan in your community. Let's pretend it's a pharmacy technician and you could pay top dollar, but if they don't feel valued and if they don't feel like their contributions are truly making a difference, then the work isn't inspirational to them. And now all it is is a paycheck. So those aren't the kinds of employees that really help to level up and, and grow your businesses. It's the, it's the employee that feels valued. It's the employee that feels like they're part of something bigger than themselves as, as a collective team, helping their community, for example. How do you instill that in a pharmacy, in a pharmacy owner who, probably like me, feels like they have to be king of it all or queen of it all, where they are, are sometimes fall into micromanagement traps? Yeah, and that's that's a really common as well. And what I like to say, right, as a, a be, having been a business owner myself in the past, your business is like one of your children. You've got blood, sweat, tears, and years into that business, and it can be very difficult for us to make that transition in trusting someone else with our children, right, with one of our own. And so, um, as we think about that that transition, the business grows and, the, and the, the business moves up, what we've got to begin to understand is that by holding on and by squeezing tightly, I'm not allowing my child to grow, right? And so they, just like it, when, we're, when we think about kids, and I, I have six of them, so I, I, I'm neck deep in this kid thing, right? Um, when I think about this, there are stages, like when they're, you know, birth to 10 years old, we're really, we're there everything, we provide for them, we, we, we correct them, we guide them, we draw, we do everything for them. They get to be preteen, early teenage. Now we give them a little bit of freedom and we're, we're the boundary for them. We're not driving, we're not the everything, we're just kind of the boundary for them. And then as they get into their upper teen, early adulthood years, now we're kind of a coach. We're there to, to answer questions for them, to ask them really thought-provoking questions, to help them develop their own path of understanding, to make the decision that's right for them in the long run. We could tell them what to do, but ultimately they own the decision. And so when we think about our businesses over time, we have to mentally and emotionally prepare ourselves for that same growth pattern in our businesses. And the way to do that is to get the people in your business. You brought the, the, the statement of compensation. People will always outgrow the money. 
always outgrow the money. And so there has to be something about your organization that's different because I don't care, I don't care how much you pay them. At some point, it's not going to be enough. And uh, Development Dimensions International, DDI, they did this massive study. It's a little bit dated now. It was 2014. Um, but they wanted to understand, like, the millennial problem, right? Like, we, as I put my air quotes up, people are like, all oh, these millennials, all these millennials. And they, so they want to understand what is so different with the millennial generation. And so they went back and they did a study from every generation to the greatest generation that ever lived, right? You think the Dep Great Depression, World War II, all the way through to the millennials. And they said, what are the common ties and themes for each one of those generations, each one of those age groups? And what they found is that three were exactly the same. They came up in every generation. And you said one of them, the opportunity to be a part of something bigger than myself. That one came up. And so these three things, what they called the three common yearnings. First, to be a part of something bigger than myself. Second, to serve a purpose bigger than myself. And the third one was to be heard. And I don't think that we understand the opportunity that we have as leaders to really satisfy that third yearning, to give people the opportunity to be heard. That makes sense. I think of myself and um, Tyler, who is our operations assistant, and how she'll roll her eyes at me when she's like, did you do this for me? Did you follow up on this? And I'm like, no, I've gotten too busy. And now I'm, now I feel bad because it's probably not being heard. But, um, I, I think when you're, when you're talking, the very first thing that came up when you started talking about millennials, for example, and I think of the word work ethic, right? And I was expected in my generation to work my butt off and just keep doing and, and go and go no matter what. It was just a kind of expected of me. But now I think of something from a sociological perspective, which has been, has really shook the nation. And I know that the pandemic had an enormous impact on this, but there's a term out there called the great resignation. And there's a, there's the concept that massive people are leaving jobs and, you know, can't find good help. And, and I'm sure community pharmacy owners that are listening to this right now, driving to work or jogging or, or listening to a, one of our podcasts are like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going through. What do you say to pharmacy owners who are experiencing um, this issue where they're not able to either A, find good employees or B, retain good employees? Yeah, so I'll, I'll speak to the first, um, right, finding quality employees. The first thing I would, I would challenge them with is, is, do you know really what you need? Right. And I, I use this example all the time. If you've seen the movie Moneyball with Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill, right, in the o Oakland Athletics, and they totally changed the way uh, ball organizations, baseball organizations looked at fielding their teams. Like they went from a low end, low budget type of program to competing for the World Series. Right. Like and it was because the analyst, the role that Jonah Hill played, he just challenged, right? Because what was Brad Pitt looking for? He was looking for, I need a first baseman. I need an outfielder. I need a first baseman. I need an outfielder. And he's meeting, I think it was the Braves or, or someone is, is who Jonah Hill was with at the time. And uh, he said, well, no, not really. He said, what you need to win baseball games are people who can score runs. Runs win baseball games. So instead of looking for a first baseman, look for someone who can score runs. Oh, and can play first base but score runs first. And so when I work with uh, independent pharmacies, when I work with our members, one of the big challenges that I have for them is, are you looking for a technician or are you looking for an awesome human being? A technician gives me a pool of about 5,000 people, just making numbers up. 
awesome human beings gives me a pool of 50,000 people. So what am I, do I really understand what my team needs? Do I need a cheerleader, someone who's going to come in and, and raise the level of excitement and engagement in a team, who's going to be a galvanizer for the team? Do I need a machine, someone who's just going to come in and punch work out? What does my team need? And so do I really understand that piece of it? And then where am I looking? If I'm just looking for a technician, I've got a job out on Indeed. I'm using Facebook Marketplace. Like I'm doing these sorts of things. But if I need a really awesome human being, I can go to Olive Garden and find a really, really good server. Someone who understands, who can multitask, who can juggle, who handles complaints, who takes ownership. I can find that at the local gas station. I can find that at the local grocery store. I have actually been trespassed from my <laughs> local Olive Garden for poaching their staff. Like, no joke, I have been... I have been I've been trespassed because I, when I see talent and I love their engagement and what they're doing and how they take ownership, I'll leave a really, really good tip and a business card. I'd love to have you on my team. Wow. And so do I know what I'm looking for and where am I looking to find it? So I'm a pharmacy owner. I'm listening to today's podcast, really interested. What are my first steps to kind of, um, where do I start? Sometimes a pharmacy owner will be like, hey, I don't even know where to start. To re-engage, re-inspire, and rebuild my team. I would say that it goes without saying, if you're not with PDS, why? (laughs) Yeah. Right? Because we have the expertise. We have that experience. But aside from that, I would start, I would step back, and I would take a really long look in the mirror to say, I'm the leader. What am I doing? Am I clear on my core values? Am I clear on the expectations that I have for the individuals in my organization? Do I know where I want this organization to be a year from now? Do I know what I want it to look like? Really dive into some of those things. Then hold your organization accountable to those things. Are we moving in the right direction? The values that I I hold most dear, are the people on my team demonstrating those values? Are the behaviors aligned with those values? If they're not, okay, let's do some training. Let's, let's have some conversations and let's build that up. Is the organization moving the direction I want it to go? And if it's not, okay, why? And how do I get it there? So I would start with those three questions. This has been great. So I, it's almost like the tip of the iceberg, but we're going to have your contact information, your email address in our show notes so that we can get people to um, that are listening that want more information from you. Uh, PDS 2022, the super conference, uh, the RX Factor. Um, Patrick, thank you so much for being part of this. Oh, 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 oh,